in society, we're not taught that your health is emotional, spiritual, mental, uh, physical. It's everything. It's not just one part of you. It's everything. So with him helping me realize that it, it was just so easy. It was like, I've never dealt with it. I talked about it, did not really talk about it in a way to move through it. It's this thing. I would just talk about it, tuck it away. How do you tuck away uh, someone's uh, passing like that in your life? Hello, and welcome to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right in to today's episode. Today on the podcast, I have Diane Inameka. She is an ILS teacher as well as a speaker. She is currently living in Thailand, and she specifically talks a lot about personal development topics such as grief and guilt. She holds online and offline workshops as well as being on podcasts. So welcome, Diane. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this topic. I was happy that you are here and we were talking right before we started recording as our time difference here and it's a 10 hour, no, 12 hour time difference of where I am in Texas. So I'm in the morning right now recording and Diane is 10, two hours 10 p.m. Right time. Two hours from her sleep. No, no. Two hours from when it is you said that you come but delirious. Two yes. hours becoming. <laughs> I said, oh, thank goodness we started recording before you become delirious because that would yes. not be uh, a fun, fun way of recording. No, well, not. <laughs> welcome. So you live in Thailand, but tell us where you are from. Okay. So and- I'm from Maryland in the USA. My family's Nigerian. So I'm Nigerian American, but I'm one of the few who was born in the States. And um, so I'm from Maryland and I've been in Thailand for about actually almost four and a half years now that I'm thinking about it. And it's been a wild ride. You know, the culture shock, just coming here with no, no, I've never, I'd never even been to Asia. And then I just, just came to live here and I told my family six months and then it was four years later. <laughs> what made you choose to do that of traveling? What was that pull that was like four years, four and a half years ago? Like I'm leaving and I'm yeah. going to just hop on a plane and go yeah. somewhere completely new. What, what was that for you? You know, so I was working as a host in a, in a, in a ramen restaurant, a Japanese ramen restaurant. And it's this kind of position where there's just no upward growth. That's that's where it is. You're not going to make more money. Nothing, at least at this restaurant. And then I was like, well, this is like at, at some point I only worked there eight months. I made the decision like this is this is not what I'm doing. Like, I'm not doing this. And then I had a good friend at that time. She was teaching in South Korea 
she suggested, hey, just try teaching in a country. Like she said, it was very rewarding. She's never had any experience like this before. And I was like, that's really all you have to say to me. Like, I, I want to try it. So I picked Thailand because it is the beaches, like the be the pictures of the beaches really brought me in. And then the cost of living is low. And just the, I just heard before I came here how friendly Thai people were, which has been very true these four and a half years. So I was like, and I got to try. And amazing food too. Oh That's yeah, how can favorite. I forget the food? That's insulting, <gasps> I, I forgot. My, one of my favorite <laughs> types of food is Thai food, which I didn't get to try till probably only in the last, uh, maybe maybe 19 years was the first time I tried Thai food, but it, mm -hmm. it became very quickly one of my favorite ones. So I Do love Do you it. remember your first dish? They tried. Well, well, it was all pad thai was one of those like ones that would get. My husband loves fried rice, but with the pineapple basil mm -hmm. fried rice, like yes. that. Yes. Yeah, that's like yes. what he he likes. Yeah. So, uh, and I normally like also some of the um, curries, masaman curry, mm -hmm. or you know those those other curries that that are there. So it's delicious. So thank you so much for being here and for staying up till close to your bedtime to have this conversation. So you wanted to share what your grief experience had been. So let's talk about the first experience with grief you had and we'll go from there. Okay. So I was, I was 10 years old and um, my mom had breast cancer and it was something that you know at 10 years old you just don't really know what's going on and there were a few conversations had that were kind of like uh I, I can't remember that word it's kind of like not like a pre-warning but this thing where it's like she alluding could, to it like yes. alluding to the fact that she could mm -hmm, yes that she could die from it <laughs> yes and I you know, I was 10, I didn't really know. And then just one day the news was relayed to me and it was, it was just life-changing and not the, not the best way, but you know, and this is, and now this is 18 years later, that was in 2004. And you know, you're just going through the journey of life. Like it's like that happens. There's life before a very big event like that. And then there's life after. And the the really, there's no comparison. My life changed so dramatically, so drastically. Mm -hmm. So drastic. And we wouldn't know really what our life would have looked like had we not gone through something like that either. It's not like we would have known the course of what your life would have looked like at 10 had mm -hmm. you not had that event either, right? It's like, mm -hmm. this is just what it, because they say the cards you were dealt no. and this is your life. Yeah. So when you were 10, what was your understanding of death then? And in the Nigerian culture, mm -hmm. what, what was the belief that you grew up with in your family about death? So honestly, death is not really talked about in, uh, in my family. So at that age, at 10 years old, I really hadn't I hadn't experienced any, I don't really even think I remember experiencing anyone else I know passing away. So this was really the first one. So it's, I'm 10 years old. 
I've not really dealt with death before and it's not talked about in my family. So it's just, it's, it's really just this thing where it's like, oh, well, what do I, what do I do now? I have no knowledge, no, no nothing at that time. And also because of, because of the fact that we didn't really talk about it, no one in my family really talked about it with me also. But I think that's just the dynamic. It's not really anyone's fault because even to this day, 18 years later, still not really talked about. How about do you talk about her as a family? Do you remember your mom as a family? Are like our memories shared? I'm just curious, like what was it? around at some, some families, because it's so painful, mm-hmm. choose not to even talk about the person that's died. Mm-hmm. And in others, maybe they do. So what was mm-hmm. it for you? Was your mom not mentioned pretty much at all after that? Or mm-hmm. were memories shared? Uh, memories were shared, but not very often. You know, it's this thing where, and it is something I want to touch on a little bit later, where something like that happens and there's this time period where people come and visit you and they talk to you about it, but it doesn't last long. But I think that's also just how we as a society look at it. Like, oh, it's happened a month later. Okay, like other people move on. But for you, you're like, no, like there's there's no moving on from this. My life has changed forever. So yeah. So go into that. Let's talk about that. So here you are at 10. You experience your mom passing. You get this probably overwhelming support maybe from the community, friends, and so forth are there in your family. A few weeks, maybe bringing you food and stuff. Do you remember some of your memories of that? Mm, It's not very clear, to be honest. I don't remember that much. Family members did come by did bring some food occasionally. I did stay over at other family members' houses more often. Actually, in general, I started staying over at family members' houses more often. Like that became a thing for some years. But that's really all I all I really remember in regards to that. Like I don't Today. have very clear mm-hmm. memories. Is it more than once? Is it how many siblings are you? Do you have siblings? How many children are you? I do have siblings, but they're, my dad was remarried. So just from at that point in time, I was the only child. So for your mom, you were her only child? Yeah. For Yeah. Okay. So that, so you're the only one of your siblings mourning your mom's passing. So you didn't even have another sibling to even relate to having gone through something similar. It was only you. Yeah, it was only me. Yeah, that does, that plays, that think that makes a big difference too. And not having someone else, because that means there's no one else that has a shared experience with you in that process. And that does, I think, make a big difference. Because mm-hmm. who do you talk to about your mom's memories? Your dad's remarried, has other children, like, you know, like, oh, remember when mom used to, well, wait, no, like it's, <laughs> it's different, you know, not, my yeah. mom, my mom uh, died. So with my siblings, we talk about that and mom this or mom that and the same when our sister died, the same, like we have a shared mm-hmm. bond. So I believe that makes a difference for sure. Mm-hmm. 
So tell us into what were the cultural, do you remember the, or do you know, maybe you don't remember, but do you know, what are the cultural experiences in terms of the ceremonies that are done for uh, the passing, for funeral or, and such, please? So it's definitely like a celebration of life thing. I will say it depends on who you're talking to specifically, but overall, like in Nigeria, it's a celebration of life. There's, a, there's, um, it's just the whole village, the whole community comes out. You know, they have a carrying of the casket. There's a lot of food. It's just everybody's out. How I experienced it in America, um. Still, you know, still, still people coming through, you know, there's food involved. I feel like food is, food is just that thing that brings people together. It really does not matter what kind of occasion it is, which I love. <laughs> still going to be good food. Um, yeah. So food was a big part of it. You know, it's, and just because we did not talk about it so much, like I, at this point, after after all these years, I don't take it offensively, but it's food. It's food and it's people physically being together. Okay. So you mentioned that you wanted to talk later on, which let's just talk now about what what is it that you now, as someone that helps people or talks about the aspect of grief, about this part of how people are there to support and then all of a sudden leave. Uh, dive deeper into that part of the conversation, please of your experience or your thoughts on that? So I will say because I was, because I was 10 years old at that time, um, I almost want to say how much could people really talk to me about it? I don't know, just because I was so young, but now that I'm older, what I understand as an experience, as in from talking with other friends who have had loved ones pass away and the, the conclusions we've come to, is that it's, I, I don't really know why it's like that, but there really is like the event happens. There's a short time period after where maybe it's more fresh on people's minds. And then it's kind of like, it's just forgotten, except the people who maybe it affected. Like if you have siblings or if you have maybe friends that you, you share the experience of this person who passed away, okay. But if you don't have this shared thing, then or if the, or if it's like this person didn't really, I don't know, they didn't really have that many people around them, something like that. When the person passes away, after this period of time, it's just kind of like, okay, like it happened, life goes on. But it's a crazy thought to me because your life is forever changed. Like the people who experience this person, their lives are forever changed. So I, I can't quite wrap my head around it. <laughs> I wonder, yeah, I wonder what it is. If it's that I, I've had this conversation before. I don't know if it's that people start feeling uncomfortable around others or really do not know what to say. Cause it's like, okay, do you still ask questions about it a year later, two years later? What if I bring it up and it makes that person cry or what if, you know, like, I may not know what to do with those emotions. So maybe that's why some people may not bring up the name of the person that's passed away mm. back again into someone's life because they may not know how to handle. If by chance you do end up having 
a big share and a big, you know, emotional thing. I don't know. It is, it is interesting how that happens. Or if it's just because like you said, life goes on and people become so busy in this culture mm-hmm. that we just go on with our day and we don't want to even be reminded about our own mortality as mm-hmm. we experience someone else having gone through something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. It is, it is very interesting. Let's talk now about how is it that you experience your grief now as an adult and when did it kind of start registering that some of the things that you maybe had experienced as a child were actually expressions of your grief? Okay, so I think, and also like because it's been so many years and I don't, I don't remember everything about my teenage years as I was just younger. I think going through my teen years, especially, well, for, I do remember one specific thing. Let's like maybe shortly after she passed, I think I was like in a clothing store or something. And I ran into a friend. I think I was like, I was 11 at this time. And I ran into a friend and she was with her mom and I was with my dad buying Maybe it was jeans or something. It was something like jeans or shorts or whatever. And then I just remember feeling so different because now it's like I'm doing things with my dad. And I never did this with my dad before. My dad's a very, very traditional man. He still is. (laughs) But I was like, wow, like this is a different going through, especially high school, um, graduating, my graduation, you know. She wasn't there. Uh, College, graduating, she wasn't there. I moved to a foreign country and I'm like, look at all these different things I've done just to be able to talk to her about it. I cannot. And it's, it's, um, I don't have the perfect words to say it, but it's, it's just, it's something in you when you realize that this person is not there with you anymore. There's always a little bit of a sadness. But I've also come to terms with it recently, more recently, to say that um, it's just a part of life. Like, I want to start looking at it, managing it more holistically. Don't just treat it as this thing. You just lock it in a box and, oh, whatever. Like, no, this is, this is a part of our lives if you've lost someone close to you there, they were here and now they're not, but it's still, it's a part of your life now. So you have to, excuse me, you have to learn how to manage it better. And also, so you can be, I also want to say prepared for when something like this happens, prepared, you can't really be prepared, but having knowledge and this idea of like, oh, okay. So after, after this event happened and now, if something else happens, these are ways I can manage it. This is how I'm going to process it. This is how I'm going to move through it. Yeah. Yeah. Moving through it. That's a a great expression. And tell us what are some of these ways that you've moved through it as you've been navigating your grief? What are some of these tools you've used to just incorporate and make it just be part of who you are and your life now as an adult? Man. Okay. Should I start with the Ayurvedic story? Cause it's, it's kind of the. Go with it. Okay. Go with it. Go with it. So I was, so I think like uh repressed grief and just not having dealt with it. I think it was really like 
building up in my in my body and my chest for a long time. And there was a time in 2020, about uh, about two years ago, where I started really having chest pains and I just didn't know what was happening. And then I started seeing an Ayurvedic doctor and pretty much came to the conclusion like, hey, there is a lot of things you need to let go of. So this is so... He he uh, he helped me to be aware of this at first because I was really unaware. Like looking back two years ago, I didn't realize how unaware I was of how grief could do that to you. But that is also because in society, we're not taught that your health is emotional, spiritual, mental, uh, physical. It's everything. It's not just one part of you. It's everything. So with him helping me realize that, it, it was just so easy. It was like, I've never dealt with it. I talked about it, did not really talk about it in a way to move through it. It's this thing, I would just talk about it, tuck it away. How do you tuck away uh, someone's uh, passing like that in your life? So that really helped start the talking about it. Actually, that's probably number one, how it started. There was the physical um, the physical sessions of the, like these hot oil massages and the oils are, I, I don't know exactly what oils they, or I don't remember anyway, but the oils are supposed to help to pinpoint certain points in your body and release things. But number one was talking about it and talking about it regularly. I was like, wow, this is my time to talk about it and move through it and not just tuck it away. So talking about it helped. And, um, after those sessions, after those Ayurvedic sessions, no, actually before, during, <laughs> during the sessions, uh, writing about it also. Writing about it really helped, started really releasing it. And um, it's like, I've had a diary for years, but I didn't really write in it that much. But those three or four months of those Ayurvedic sessions, man, I filled up that notebook. It was, it was crazy. Um, so talking I about thought it just came to my mind. I'm sorry. I thought just came to my mind of the, why you were pulled to go to Thailand and it might've just been part of this journey of your grief mm. that you needed to experience having gone to an Ayurveda and realizing that, you know, that you were storing this grief within you. Yeah. And had you maybe not gone to Thailand, you would have not been exposed to maybe an Ayurvedic or no practitioner at that time in order to help you with moving your grief. I don't know. As you were sharing that, I'm like, wow, she moved to Thailand. Then after she was able <laughs> to experience this and yeah, like it's, yeah. I started had thinking you- of that a little bit also as well. Like I didn't actually you saying that tied it more together, but I've had this thought before, like, Oh, like maybe part of me coming here was just to heal. Maybe it wasn't yeah. just to teach. Because I've done a lot of healing, period. Like, I don't even know who I am compared to four years ago. I am like, I am this leveled up person. It is, I recommend everyone, if you can, do an eat, pray, love, and just go to another country for a bit and figure your life out. <laughs> it changes the perspective, right? I think travel is one of those things that just opens your mind to really everything that's possible. But I think the part of it that probably creates the most growth is because it's such a life changing 
transition yeah. to move. Language is different. Yeah. Culture is different. Yeah. So in that process of even grief itself there, yeah. there is this cracking open of a new birth of who you are because you're yeah. experiencing something that's a struggle in that change. So yeah. I'd say, yeah, grief in moves is huge and it awakens all these other aspects of our growth as well. So that's, that's awesome. Okay. So then you, so you talked about it, you wrote about it mm -hmm. and this whole process started. Now, how, as you were doing these sessions for three to four months, mm -hmm. how did this pain on your chest start releasing as you started moving your grief through your body and out? It was just like a natural part of it. I started, it wasn't, it wasn't even just grief related to my mom. Then other things started coming up, other things I needed to let go of. There was so much purging. And I guess my body physically also purged as well. Because mentally, emotionally, I was like, get it out of me. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to have these negative thoughts. I don't want this to hold me back anymore. So um, I think that was a, a big part of it. Yeah. Wow. Just, yeah, the purging, just cleansing, letting go, releasing. So I'm sure you feel so much lighter. That's probably why you say you're so different now. Like, so what was it that, how was it that you carried yourself then four years ago prior to moving? Mm -hmm. What do you remember your body felt like then to as how it feels now? I, I didn't have, and my eating habits are still not a hundred percent. They're not a hundred percent, but they were so much worse back then when I was working at the, at the ramen restaurant would always come back around midnight and have the heaviest ramen. Cause it would be what's remaining in the kitchen. I did that for months. Also just, I was more anxious back then. I was more anxious. Of course, like now I have more freedom in my life anyway. So some of the anxiety might've just been feeling more trapped and more stifled, but I just, I just feel more free and I'm taking care of myself more and I've grown because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 29. So I've spent most of my twenties here. And I think there's like that natural, that natural growth. And, um, I got to do it here and get to just be around other people who are experiencing similar things and age here. It seems to not even matter. Like I have, friends of all different ages, which is nice. And cultures, are there a lot of different cultures also of people living in, in Thailand? There is a lot of European people, Russian, Ukrainian, French, UK, also like other Asian nationalities, Chinese, Malaysian, um, from Hong Kong, and then of course, Americans. There's not too many Africans here. They're here. There's not too many. And there's, I feel like it's growing though. Like more Africans are coming, more black people in general are coming, but it's, but there's still way more European people here. Now, how was it experiencing then being in an Asian country like Thailand as an African descendant woman there? What was that for you? <laughs> Okay, let's go into that because it being one thing is being a minority in a country which is considered minority, which it really is. I'm Hispanic, and technically we're you know it's like we're considered minorities in countries in which there's a lot of us, right? Yeah. But really, here you really were a minority. Really? That so 
really, and not only just because of your culture, but your language. So how was that experience? What was it like? When I first, so before I, right before I came, maybe a few weeks before I started looking up like articles, like black people in Thailand, I need to know what's going on. What's the tea? I hope everything's okay. I don't really know. So then, so then I, I came here and I, this, if I look back at it, this is so dramatic, but in my head, I was like, I didn't see any black people on my way here. So like, I'm just going to stay in my room for a few days. <laughs> I was so dramatic then. And although I will say the town I was in, my first town I was in was a smaller town anyway. So you're talking about in general, there's not even that many foreigners. It's a small group of foreigners. So, um, it was, it was, um, and then some of the teachers I worked with, not like foreign teachers, but some of the, the staff of the school, there were misunderstandings because there's just not black people there. They don't know. They just don't know. They, they just don't know. So it was a little uncomfortable the first town I was in. And then I moved to where I am now, which is Chiang Mai. And it's so much more diverse. I have not had too many things happen. There's the occasional stare or when I was in a school, the occasional like, oh, like the teacher here is, well, as as time went on at my old school, there were more black teachers who joined. But the first year, I think there was me and one other black person. And then I like everyone else was, um, I think like European. Sorry, I don't remember complete details anymore, but yeah, it was, you know, I had to really get used to it. I had to really get used to it. Now it's okay because I mean, what choice do I have? I stick out everywhere. <laughs> embracing it. Yeah. You're like embracing the fact that you're going to stand out. Just wear loud clothes, loud, yeah. you know, bright red lipstick, make an entrance already. <laughs> Why not? You have to, you have to celebrate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Celebrated. Wonderful. Let's talk now about how, what it is you do in the part of speaking and workshops and online and how it is you guide the individuals that you're talking to in different topics. And why did that come about? What, what urged you to become a speaker and to be able to have these workshops? So I think, you know, after the Ayurvedic sessions, it wasn't something because the Ayurvedic session stopped early last year. And it's not something that right away I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. But this year, because I had such like a dramatic career change because I, I left my, I left my old school. So I'm not, so now I'm just a part-time online teacher. I'm not working in a physical school anymore all of these changes, I was like, it's time to really do what I feel inspired to do. And the Ayurvedic sessions and how much I, how much better I feel really inspired me to, just to know that you can move through it. And it, it doesn't show up the same way. It doesn't mean like, if you have repressed grief, you're gonna have chest pains. It, it can show up in a, in, a, in, a, in a lot of different ways. But just just knowing that this is, how it happened for me it really inspired me so this year i have done a few workshops i did an in-person one and an online one just about grief and 
the different kinds of losses you can experience because it's not just death. It can be, you know, like relationship breakups, can be friendships, can be romantic, can be just people you don't have in your life anymore, can change your lifestyle, could lose your mind. I actually had this talk with someone. I was like, that's pretty deep. But so, uh, so loss and then processing it and then how to look at it more holistically is what the workshops have been focused on. And I just want to do more with it. And, and for me, the exciting part is knowing that you can look forward to something better on the other side when you can start incorporating it into your life in a more holistic way. As in, if you're sad, cry, get it out, don't hold back, but also know that like, oh, I will uh, bring this up. So the workshop I did, the in-person one, we were sharing towards the end and we were sharing about how some different cultures uh, deal with funerals. So here in Thailand and then uh, a lady was talking about how it is in Mexico. And then I thought of Nigeria. It's, it's, they're similar in that it's, it's kind of a party. It's a celebration of life. And, you know, and then this other lady brought it together so nicely. Man, I wish I could remember things specifically. It's like I have ideas in my head, but I can't remember specific things that people say. But she basically said, like, um, that it's a, it's a celebration of life. They were here. And now they're not here, but we should still remember them and, you know, how we, how we move in our day to day, honor them. You know, they were here. You don't need to pretend like they weren't here. Repressing that is not helping you in moving through it in any way. Of course, you also have to get to this point where you're aware of this and where you even want to start moving through it. But what if slash when you get to that point and you want to start opening yourself up to know that you can move through it and connect with other people and heal from it it's a it's a beautiful thing so that's how it's been the past few what is this the beginning of october the past month and a half because i started it pretty recently but i i plan on continuing with it it's been great so far the part of you doing these workshops, not only are you allowing these people to share their stories, you get that opportunity of sharing it yourself and it helps your own grief journey, right? And that part of community, because you mentioned that you you were part of a Facebook group, that's how you met some people that then led you even to talking here. Mm -hmm. That part of community is so important and I've realized that it makes a, a crucial difference in how we experience grief yeah. if we have that sense of community. And so for yeah. you to have found community in which you can talk about your mom, talk about your grief, mm. since it was not talked about when you were a kid that much yeah. with the people you were around, then uh, you've just, yeah, you've, you've, you've created that. You've found it. It's so freeing. I, I realized at that point I hadn't talked about it in a group setting before. And I didn't even go that much into detail, really. I was like, hey, like, this is what happened. Like, my mom passed this many years ago. I was this age. And I think that might have been all I really said about it specifically. And then I started talking about how it affected my life more. But it was, it was so freeing. And then other, like uh, I talked to some people afterwards 
And, you know, just kind of because it's not that there aren't spaces where people talk about this, but they're not everywhere. Like there are some things that are very common, like the supermarket, like there's a supermarket everywhere, but there's not these groups where you can talk about things like this. Because like we know it's not like a quote unquote sexy topic. It's not a hot topic, but it it affects everyone. So why should we deny it? And you should have support and knowledge as well. It's exactly and exactly why I even created the the podcast because it was something I felt was needed is was for people to not feel alone as they were going through their own grief process and to listen to different people's stories and find that relatability. Cause we can't say, I know what you went through because we don't mm-hmm. each individual is so unique. Mm-hmm. We can relate to someone else's experiences mm-hmm. and they can help us in, in our own process to not feel so judgmental about our own way in which we grieve. You mentioned that the other topic you like to talk about is guilt. You said grief and guilt in your topics, or that's one of the other things. What, what did, what about guilt and how has guilt played a part in your life and your journey? And why is it that it's something you like to talk in your workshops? Some, the topics that I like to focus on, it's, these are topics that I've either really thought about it, how it showed up in my life, or I've been talking about it with friends a lot, like over the years, like different situations, different experiences. And the thing about guilt is it's another thing that I think I had to let go of. I had guilt in regards to, you know, like I'll say in regards to, you know, my mom not being here. Like I just, I don't, I don't really have a logical reason for that. I don't have it anymore, but at a certain point, I did experience guilt in regards to that. I experienced guilt in, you know, in friendships, maybe how you're expected to show up or how other people want you to show up and you realizing you can only show up the way you show up. You can only do the best you can. If someone wants you to call them 24 seven, that's not happening because I have my own issues. So I released guilt in that way guilt showing up and oh man there was something else i just had a thought and it just left let me see if i can remember guilt oh guilt showing up in certain family dynamics because in a nigerian family there's this i mean yeah let's just say it there's this idea that you should be a doctor a lawyer a nurse an engineer one of the a scientist whatever one of these careers and i went the complete other way And I used to feel either guilty or inadequate. And, you know, this year I just, woof, it's like last year was purging. This year was more purging for different reasons, but it's just purge, 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 purge. (laughs) And I want to share that with others because it helps you, it helps you um, look at yourself better and not hold on to all these things. And it's really other people's maybe other people's expectations. Like it's not even really from you sometimes. It's your own thoughts of how other people experience you. And it's, it deals more with other people and you shouldn't have these thoughts within yourself. Yeah. We, we, we judge ourselves based on what we think others are judging us and letting go of that makes a big difference. Letting go of that judgment or perception that we have that others may feel about us. Yeah. I totally can, can relate to what you're saying. How do you continue your relationship with your mom now? Wow. So I 
I I think of her at least once every day, it feels like. It's not always a sad thought, though. Maybe it's just a thought like, oh, like, maybe I'll... Like, for example, like, for some reason, I started really missing this stew she would make, this chicken stew. It was just chef's kiss. Tasted so good. There was something I think I ate that kind of reminded me of it. And I was like, man, like, I, I wish I could have your chicken stew. Like, I just have these... It's it's like I I know she's not physically here, but I do still think of her in ways where I'm like I know you're not physically here, but for me I know you're here somewhere. So and you mentioned food again. So do you prepare pair anything? Have you learned to prepare anything that your mom used to like this stew that you're mentioning? Have you learned to prepare it or yes? Uh well I was nodding my head that. A, yes. Not in agreeance because I cannot do it the way she did it. <laughs> okay, but I okay. but I do I anytime it's kind of like in general if I eat stew I just think of I just think of my mom like I never learned how to make it mm-hmm. the way she made it. It feels like home. It feels like home. It feels like, it feels like her. Mm. And certain smells also. Yeah. There's actually her specific smell. I will randomly smell it. This happens like maybe once a month or something. It's just a whiff. And I'm like, okay, I guess she's here. Maybe. <laughs> there you go. So you acknowledge when you have those moments, acknowledging her presence in those moments in which something around you reminds you of her. So continuing that bond in that way. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank, Thank you, you so Diane, much. for sharing that. Thank you. Now, how can people connect with you? What's the best way they can connect with you, Instagram, Facebook, and what, how can they find you? And I'll make sure to add the links at the bottom. Okay. So I'm on Facebook. I have my, I have a Facebook group, you know, it's still small, it's still growing, but this is just, uh, so I've posted some things about grief and also just like inspirational quotes or stories. And then I have a LinkedIn page. My Instagram, I started using it more because really there was a certain point where it was like a year and I hadn't added a picture. And then, you know, I had some friends start getting on me and I'm like, okay, I'll start. (laughs) So now I use Instagram more. So yeah, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and email. And email, and I'll add all those links below. And if if you're in Thailand, then you connect connect with you probably in person for one of your workshops and if not just through that then they can at least connect with you maybe for an online workshop that you do as well yeah so thank you so much and let's share your mom's name please before we we finish off what was your mom's name her name is florence florence so thank you florence for allowing us to share you in this space and share your memory as diane processes your grief and in her journey you have been a part of this podcast as well Florence just sending her love as well so thank you so much Diane this is awesome thank you again so much for choosing to listen today I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode. And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. 
Also, if you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.